0: All right, welcome back uh, to the big program, 10 o'clock in the City of Champions. Time to elevate your game by Ram... Elevators and lifts. Uh, unlock the potential of uh, being in place with a home, being at your place with a home elevator or lift. Uh, you can learn more at TrustRam.com. Uh, Why are we elevating our game with this segment? Well, because we're going to bring in Matt Laughlin, New Jersey Devils play-by-play man. Uh, Matt, welcome to the show. Uh, you've got Carius and Schlemko here, uh, an old guy that you used to call uh, play-by-play with. So my guess, my guess my question to you, Matt, did you have to elevate your play by play game when you were calling all these goals that David Schlemko scored in his season with the Devils. <laughs> <Come on>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> always, always. And it's uh it's so good to spend time with both of you. And David, good to speak with you as well. It's it's been a while, but you know, once a member of the family, always a member of the family. So I hope all is well back at Edmund yeah.
2: All is well, Matt. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs>
1: I'm doing well. You know, back when you were with the club, things weren't quite as bright, but... That's for sure. Uh, things have turned a corner, and, you know, some of the price that you and your fellow mates in those years paid um, in the quote-unquote rebuilding process, you know, starting to pay off in spades for the Devils.
2: Absolutely. I mean, I'll always have a soft spot for the Devils that kind of gave me a... Uh a chance to resurrect my career, so to speak, and like you said, I, I had some success there and had a good year. And I, I loved my time there. I loved the Devils fans. There didn't realize how passionate the fans were before I got there. And um, yeah, I've I've been cheering for them the last couple of years here, especially last year. You um, got such a fun, exciting team to watch. Now
1: they really do. And you know what you just said about the fans. You know, speaks volumes because I think a lot of players, until they come here and experience it a little bit and experience what New Jersey's about, they don't really get it. You know, if you just come in as a member of the visiting team, you're in the hotel, you take a ride to the rink, and you're like, what the heck is this jersey all about? But it's a great spot, and the fans are passionate, and they are on the edge of their seat about what this year and really the next 10 years might hold with the group that they put together.
0: Matt Laughlin, uh, New Jersey Devils. Play-by-play is our guest uh, on Sports 1440. Kevin Carius along with David Schlemko. So uh, just touch on that moving forward. Uh, you know, David said he was part of that rebuilding uh, part of the uh, Devils franchise. But moving forward, everyone just seems to think that this team has such a, a bright future. Can you kind of uh, expand on that, Matt?
1: Well, what we're seeing here is the the luck of the draw, really. They won two lotteries, and they selected Nico Heischer and Jack Hughes. And in Hughes, they got a, a player with the enormous skill that – is competitive as can be and continues to improve his game. And in Nico they got an enormously talented man as well, but one who uh, is not as dynamic as Jack, but plays such a well-rounded game and is a great leader as the captain that they've got these two cornerstones. And then you add in a Jesper Brad and you get a Tyler to Foley and a Dawson Mercer pays off uh, as a late first round pick. And they've just accumulated so much skill, but the, best thing that they have going for them is that skill has matured. Uh and even though they're still young, I mean Jack's only twenty two, Heesher's twenty four, Brad's twenty four, they're still young, but they've got Dick's seven years and Jack's case five years Mm -hmm. under his belt. Uh they've got enough time in this league that they understand what it's about. And so it just seems that everything is coming together at the right moment. No guarantees of course but they have accumulated a lot of skill, and they should have a very, very good year.
2: Yeah, lots of speed and skill up front. Um, What do you think about the back end, especially looking at uh, younger Hughes there? It seems like he's got some huge expectations already for a kid who hasn't played a full season, but uh, what's the word inside the room?
1: Well, he is... Like his brother uh, in New Jersey and his brother in Vancouver, mm-hmm. uh, he's enormously talented. But he is inexperienced, an and uh, that is a question. How, you know, how will he handle full-time responsibilities? The Devils, I think, will miss more than it appears the absence of Ryan Graves and Damon Severson uh, two veteran right. guys who moved on you know, between them they had almost a thousand games and you know David you know this is not an easy league man and when you give up that much experience I don't care how gifted you are uh as a replacement uh, you've got to learn the league and how is luke Hughes going to handle when if he's out there a mcdavid comes bearing down on him or he's got to figure out the wiliness of a uh of a sydney crosby so how is he going to handle that plus you've got another young guy in that core who played last year but not a full year kevin ball and if nemitz is pushing for a spot shimo nemitz the guy they drafted second overall with their first pick a couple of years ago an awfully young blue line Mm -hmm. to try to accomplish what they hope to accomplish which is being a threat to win a championship so I think it does bear watching of all the things that the Devils have to watch for this year, I think it's how will that younger core handle it, how will Colin Miller, who came over from Dallas how will he fill in some of that veteran presence of the two guys I mentioned and then goaltending is always a question around the league, but I think the defense is not a question mark, I just think that there is some development that needs to take place before it will be as strong and contribute as much as the group did last year.
0: New Jersey Devils play-by-play man Matt Laughlin's our guest to uh, Schlemko, sports 1440, 1006 in uh, Edmonton and area. So you did touch on the goaltending with that young defense. Uh, there's uh, some young bodies back there. Uh, how do you see the goaltending shaping up moving forward with Vanacek and Schmied?
1: Yeah, I think Vitek will be the number one guy. Lindy will say 1A, 1B, and it's true. I think they'll... Share a bit of a load, but that's what happens in the league these days. There's only a handful of teams that say we're going to ride this horse for 65, uh, 60 or 65. So, but I think Vtex has got the leg up. He's looked good in camp.
2: So, looking at Lindy Ruff here, I had him for a bit oh, in, Dallas. Last
1: year. Very in Dallas. Oh, sir. Yeah. Right. No, no, and 33 wins and all good in the regular season, mm-hmm. but he kind of bit the bit he would admit so in the playoffs he did what all players at this level do he said how do i improve what do i need to do and he spent some time this summer the sports psychologist back in uh, czechia his home country and we'll see if that pays off he admitted last year that you know he took the pressure and internalized it too much, and at the same time was uncomfortable with it. It was his first time as the number one guy. So he does bear watching. There's no doubt about it. Um, the Devils will need to have some good goaltending to achieve their goals. How he responds this year, and so far in camp he's looked good, will tell a bit of the tale. And for Schmidt, he was terrific last year, but you know it was only a few years ago he was in the USHL. He was the USHL goaltender of the year. Mm-hmm. Does he need more seasoning? I don't know he burst on the scene last year and was the man the main reason why they beat the Rangers and came from behind in the first round uh, again now in a bit of a different situation so uh, those two areas the defense and goaltending although I think goaltending will play out uh, certainly are areas that if there is a concern for the devils would be the area they'll watch
2: thanks Matt so. Looking at looking at this team, it's a very young core all around. Um, looking at Lindy Ruff, I had him as a coach a bit in Dallas. Seems like a bit of an old school guy. Does he? How does he bring these guys together? I mean, even Nico Heischer is a pretty young for a captain there. Does he have a kind of a bigger say in the room, or how does that work?
1: He does. He does have a big say in the room and. Because he's grown up with, again, a Jess for Brad, uh, uh, with mm-hmm. uh, a Jack Hughes, I think there are a lot of voices that come through. Brendan Smith has been that veteran voice in the room. Tyler Foley will add that.
2: Absolutely, he will.
1: From Calgary, I mean, he won a championship and went to another final uh, with Montreal. So uh, there are other voices there. But, no, this is Nico Heischer's room, unquestionably. As for Lindy, I give him all the credit in the world. I mean, He's had inordinate success, hasn't won the Cup yet, but has had inordinate success. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he has done it a certain way. But when he went to the Rangers after he left Dallas or was asked to leave, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, he went to the Rangers, as you know, uh, as an assistant coach and working with some younger players, working with David Quinn, who had come out of the college scene. You know, Lindy admitted he needed to deal with these younger players a little better. And he has allowed this young team to make mistakes and not nail them to the bench after making a mistake. But at the same time, using the velvet glove, hey, that's the second time you made the mistake, you're going to sit a shift. Uh, that's the third time you made a mistake, you're going to have to watch from upstairs. So he's given them enough rope where they don't have to look over their shoulder, but there is accountability. And I give him a lot of credit. The young guys rave about him. Some of that has to do with the fact that he's giving them the ice time. I understand that. But he has not allowed this young team to be Mm -hmm. immature on the ice. He has allowed them to learn, yes, but he's demanded that, hey, there is better expected. And so when they've gotten a little out of line, he's been able to hammer them back pretty easily and i will say this the one thing he has done is publicly he's always been supportive he has very rarely in in the years i've covered him with the devils now publicly uh put a player down or pointed to him as the reason why a couple of times yeah the goalie could have made this stuff yeah that guy wasn't so good on the back check on that play but mostly it's supportive behind the scenes he's that's when he's you know laid down the law so he, he's been a good fit and i think it's been surprising to some degree simply because people wondered myself included you played for him how is he going to do with the young team mm-hmm. but he's done pretty darn well and taking them through covid and all that sort of stuff he he, he deserves a lot of credit
0: matt laughlin's our guest on the kevin Carey show uh with our co-host on wednesdays david schlemko sports 1440 uh boy you mentioned it uh, keeping guys in line how have you uh, been able to keep a local product, Kenny Danico, in line all these years?
1: <laughs> and Danny Kenny is uh, an Edmonton boy. I yeah. know he was born in Windsor, and he yeah. hates that. He says, I moved when I was a youngster. I was an infant, mm-hmm. and I'm an Edmontonian. Uh, yeah, there's no keeping Danico in line. Let's be honest, <laughs> right? I yeah. mean, he, he is who he is. He comes in, breath of fresh air every day. Uh, he is a boisterous in the best sense personality. And I love the time I spent with him when I was doing TV, uh, and I love the time that I get to share with him, though not on the air, uh, when I do the radio. Uh, he he's got an opinion on everything, on all sports, and when you're in the room with Ken Danico, you know it, and that's an aw- that that's a compliment. Believe it. He's awesome. He is great. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I heard some uh, pretty legendary stories about Dano um, back in the (laughs) New Jersey Cup days when I was there. Some uh, pretty legendary parties I hear.
0: Did he ever tell you? uh, Yeah, that's changed. Yeah, well, that's changed for sure. Did he ever tell you about his days when he, uh, because again, he's an Edmonton guy, but uh, in the late 70s, he went and played in the Saskatchewan Junior League before he went to the Western League and he played uh, for the Yorkton Terriers. Does he ever bring up that story? Or those stories? Oh,
1: we hear some legendary tales of this young kid leaving home. His mom says no. His dad drops him off and says (laughs) he's going to play, pursue his dream. And he's playing it against guys. As he would say, we played against some guys. They got out of jail the night before, and I had to fight them, and I'm a (laughs) 15-year-old. Anyway, there are some legendary uh, Yorkton and the the millionaires and their battles. Uh, Oh, yeah. No, he's fond of – he is fond of of those days and recalls them fondly. And I just want to touch upon it. You guys know it. I don't want anyone listening to think um, that uh, Dano is is the way he was. He tells, he's honest, truthful about his past. He he had his wild times, but uh, thank goodness uh, he's found sobriety over the last several years and uh, he's better off for it. But at any rate, uh, he doesn't back off from the story. He doesn't tell them a lot. You Mm -hmm. know, they come out here and there and once in a while, if you ask, he will. He doesn't brag about what he was able to accomplish both on and uh, at times off the ice, but uh, it's always good to be around him. There's always a story.
0: So when you had to do the call, uh, Matt, on, on uh, Schlemmer's six goals that he scored for the Devils uh, the year that he played there, like, these were all like, you know, basically he's picking the puck up behind the net and going coast to coast like butter and toast, or what's going on there? Highlight reel.
2: Yeah,
1: absolutely. <laughs> absolutely, they were things of beauty. And David, I'm not going to deny it here. You know, top sell, top shelf, sauce all the way. It was, uh, you know, that that's how they that's that's how they sounded for me, and that's how they were called by you, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> how many of them were they were okay. slap shots that went off the opposition D-man, or what were they? Slamming? I think I had a few nice ones, yeah. maybe Aww. maybe a couple junk yeah. ones, you know.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. No question about it. Oh. You know, I mean, you brought that, you know, and you did bring that, that veteran voice and presence. And, you know, I, I often wonder what it was like, really, in those years. I, I lived it, experienced it. But when you kind of going through it, you know, for a professional, yeah, as you said, you got a chance to kind of, you know, buff up the career again and, and restart it for another few years. But, like, it's got to be hard when you understand versus what the devils understand their goals are. Uh, the difference is great, and yet you're as competitive as anyone who's in, say, the Edmonton room today or the Devils room this morning or any team that has a legit shot at it, uh, but you kind of know it, it's not going to be in the cards. It's going to be difficult at times.
2: Yeah, you know, it was at the end of that season, I think. I remember going in, we were ranked 31 out of 31 in the NHL, but um I think Heinze came in and did a great job. That was his first year as a head coach in the league, coming out of college or the U.S. program. And we had a great start, actually. I think trade deadline, we were right around that playoff bubble. But, um, I mean, obviously management saw that we weren't going to win a cup <laughs> that year. So we did a little bit of selling, and we we really went, <laughs> went downhill, took a slide after that. But uh, overall,
0: it was a great year. Hey, Matt. Well, there, you know, you do yeah. this. Sorry, go ahead, Matt. One yeah. last. League, I, I, yeah, absolutely. I'm sorry. No no worries. Um, we're just up against it here. So uh, I want to thank you for coming on, uh, telling a few old stories about uh, Kenny Danico and uh, our co-host, David Schlemko. Appreciate it. Uh, Rangers and Devils tonight, correct? Yep. Yep. Uh, the arch rivals
1: meet for the last time in the preseason. and. Uh Devils are playing pretty much their full squad, not entirely, and the Rangers are bringing pretty much their full squad, I understand, a couple of absences, mm-hmm. uh, but it should be a lot of fun. always is when, they, when those two teams get together.
0: Thanks for doing this, Matt. We'll uh, catch up with you uh, when you guys uh, come to town here in Edmonton. Appreciate it.
1: That would be awesome, uh, Kevin. Thank you very much, and David, great to catch up with you again.
0: Thanks, Matt. You as well. Have a good one. That's Matt Laughlin, uh, New Jersey Devils, play-by-play for Elevate Your Game by Ram Elevators and Lifts, manufacturing the safest elevators since 1987. Trustram.com. You can check out uh, all the beautiful lifts and elevators that they put in uh, Edmonton and area for sure. Uh, When we come back, we will check in with uh, former Oilers, President and CEO, Patrick LaForge, our headliner of the day, to talk about the 20th anniversary of the old Heritage Classic back in 2003. That's uh, with Kerry. And Schlemko on Sports 1440 right after the break. Ooh, that is an appropriate song for what we're going to be talking about for the next uh, 15 minutes uh, with our headliner of the day, brought to you by Mr. Reuter. They are sports fans like all of our listeners and are totally jacked that Sports Talk Radio is back. For all your plumbing needs, you can go to ca as we welcome in former Oilers president and CEO Patrick LaForge. Uh Patrick, what did you think of that song? Uh, it brings back memories, doesn't it?
3: <laughs> I remember cold on ice. I remember <laughs> that uh, from when I was at Molson for years. Yeah, <laughs> it was a big song at the brewery. Oh, but yeah. Uh, yeah, the outdoor game was cold as ice it Everybody was. that was there. Yeah, was, for
0: sure. Uh, Patrick, you're with Karius Schlemko here on a great day yeah. to talk about, uh, you know, uh, the 20th anniversary coming up of the game uh, at the end of uh, the month. But let's go back uh, to the game in 2003. So, is it true that you guys kind of uh, came up with this concept yourself and guys like Cal Nichols and and uh, on the, on a on a napkin kind of saying, can we do this at Commonwealth? <laughs> how, how did that story go?
3: Well, uh, as it turns out, you know, I joined the others in 2000, uh, in, in the summer of 2000. So in the spring of 2001, uh, you know, well, at 2000, the team was kind of tight for money. We lost a couple of stars, Doug Waite, Bill Guerin, budgets were tight. And so competitiveness was dropping. And, you know, it was our job to see what we could do to improve our image and our attraction in the marketplace. We happened to be at the All-Star Game in Los Angeles. And it was brutal. It was awful. Uh, you know, it was in a, It wasn't in a big building. It was at a, an arena in Monterey, I think. And uh, the turnout was. It was anyway not competitive, and we were just disappointed by the experience. And uh, here you're in LA, and there weren't any stars involved, and you know, a lot of list of things. So we're flying home on the plane, saying, you know, we've got a 25th anniversary coming up in 2004. anybody got a plan. We kind of all looked at one another and hadn't talked about it at all. So we started to work on the plan. In the beginning, the discussion was, "Well, why don't we hijack the All Star Game for two hundred four? What Minnesota had, it would trade it with them and make it bigger and better. Involve you know, Wayne and Mark and all of our superstars from the five Stanley Cups and uh, and then and then and, and uh, build on it and build on it. And then at some point, we were saying, "Well, wouldn't it be cool?" I had been involved at Molson's for fifteen years and in senior management looking at research and Some of the research that we were doing in markets was coming back on a list of things that hockey uh that, that beer drinkers like is would they love to see n h l players on a playing on outdoor ice just a weird one coming mm-hmm. out of nowhere and uh at that time we had a great relationship with the Leafs and the Leafs. From time to time, Wendell Clark and gang would just go down to a little outdoor rink at Bathurst Street and skate, shoot the puck around, you know, just to loosen up. And without any announcement or media coverage or whatever, believe it or not, you know, like a thousand people heard about it and just showed up to watch and get autographs. And then it became a bigger and bigger thing. and Finally, the Harold Ballard canceled it because he didn't like the way it was going. But the idea stuck with me, and uh, it just popped into my head while we were flying home from L.A., and as you're right, we were two napkins, Alan Watt, myself, Cal Nichols, and, and uh, we had the uh, tabletops flipped down and napkins out and just jotting down random thoughts about the idea. And so that, that, was, the, that was the genesis. That's where it got started.
0: Real cool. Uh, Patrick LaForge uh, joins uh, Carrie Schlemko on Sports 1440. So from that stage, when you, you know, the initial concept, uh, what did you have to do to kind of get things going to make it a reality?
3: Well, you know, we had an owner flying with us, so he was kind of an accomplice to the dream <laughs> as we were flying along. So Cal was included, and he was willing enough to say, well, take it farther, you know, mm-hmm. spend some time on it if you think it we can do something with it and uh, so it became uh, a plan and uh, that was uh, in the spring of 201 we jotted down a page or two of just outline stuff hadn't been done before so we were kind of making it up how it would work in the beginning we 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 knew we needed a building we knew we needed uh some other things but with, the whole idea was to hijack the all-star game and play mm-hmm. it outdoors have an alumni game with Wayne and Mark, and then have the all-star game and draw a crowd. And our earliest thoughts was, you know, not Edmonton. It was like Lake Louise was one of our first thoughts on the ice there. Oh. And, and then we talked oh. about Horlack Park, and we got some engineers involved and said, no, 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 they can't do that. <laughs> 5,000 people on the ice, end up 5,000 people in the lake.
0: In, in the lake, yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so uh, at the end of the day, I mean, uh, all seriousness, we, we figured it was a great idea. but uh, So we talked to Commonwealth Stadium, and and we uh, after they kind of said, well, you have to get the Eskimos approval. mm mm-hmm. Huey's there go and talk to Huey and uh, so I had, a, I had a I knew Huey from a long time so I had a, just an early conversation with him said think about it I'm not asking you to say yes or no just think about it because they're grass well, they they were you yes. know proud of their grass and yeah. they didn't want anything to harm it and I talked to uh, Gary Bettman about it uh, simplistically and after he threw me out of the office and said <laughs> you silly person yeah. don't come back how'd you get that job um <laughs> Really? And then we that was sort of dusting off and come back, and uh, so we had to refine it a little bit. Uh it went from there. It, you know, we we talked to a number of people about it and these simplicities. So we we killed the All Star Game idea. Mm-hmm. Minnesota didn't want to give up their date, uh, even though it was our 25th in, uh, twenty fifth in two oh and sorry in two oh four, and their date really didn't mean much. It, we understood they had made a lot of plans and announcements and so on and so forth so they kind of they took that off the table for us but the all-star the the alumni game idea Alan and I and Cal we we really thought it had some legs you know those guys were so big and powerful at the time mm-hmm. most some of them were still playing They they were legends and they still are and if you had them do anything you could draw a crowd so we continued to just kick it around and kick it around and got serious about the planning in two Oh two because the schedule for two Oh three was coming out. So in the spring of two Oh two, we were meeting with NHL scheduling. And, uh, anyway, just kind sort of carried on from there. Um, we asked, uh, the Rangers and, and Glenn said he wasn't interested and we, and, uh, talked to the Leafs for a few minutes. They weren't interested, but, uh, uh, as we got moving along with the idea, the, the Montreal Canadiens were very interested. You know, they won 24 Stanley Cups. We had a big rivalry with them in the 80s. And uh, anyway, uh, my my cousin was the president of the Habs at the time, Pierre Boivin. And uh, so we, we continued to talk about it, but uh, we had to solidify it. So they had a date at Rexall Place for a home game in November of 23. I'm uh, sorry, of... Uh, 03, yeah, two oh three, yeah. and so we fixed that in the calendar quietly. Both of us agreed, and then we played backwards from there.
2: Hmm. Yeah, Patrick, did you uh, did you kind of have to be careful with this alumni game that it would maybe overshadow the actual NHL scheduled <laughs> game?
3: Boy, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that came up a lot. It came up a lot uh, uh, within discussions. Wayne was sensitive to it. Uh, he uh, he was a key player in decisions. Kevin Lowe was very instrumental, and there was you know discussion about it for sure. And it was one of those boxes that we had to be feel comfortable about. Um, and the same true, yeah, Guy Lafleur and Larry Robinson and uh, yeah. and the gang from from Montreal. They were playing games. And, you know, they had traveled, actually. They had, uh, unlike a lot of uh, alumni teams, but these guys had traveled and played up and down the East Coast uh, a couple years prior, and they had a really good experience. The crowds came out, and they played the Bruin alumni and and Ranger alumni, and they said it was a good experience. So they liked the idea. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, you're right. Uh, You know, Wayne, Mark, Kevin, Kevin, and Grant and that gang—they—they—they—they they, they, they go front page at the time. They probably still would, you know. So, oh. uh, yeah, we had to do a different play it right, and it was a—we had to massage that for sure.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, Patrick LaForge is our guest, uh, Kevin Carey show along with our Wednesday co-host David Schlemko on Sports 1440. Uh, so. Um, quick sidebar Patrick I was uh, lucky enough and fortunate enough to do the alumni game on the bench with the Montreal Canadians on the jumbotron Gene Principe did uh, the yeah. in-house uh, it was just wonderful to be on that bench yeah. for that whole game it was hot <laughs> because of the blowers were just smoking yeah. out the heat everyone else was yeah. cold but we were we were just fine but if you can go back a few days now you're going you're looking at the forecast you're going oh yeah. boy what are we what are we getting ourselves into uh, uh, what were your yeah. discussions with the league uh, teams etc uh, moving Forward to play the game.
3: Well, there was a cancellation discussion uh, on all angles with the players' association. It was you know great dialogue there. Uh, Bob Goodnow and I actually ended up on, on a number of hearing committees for the league. Uh, we were the league at the time was negotiating its first ever. Uh, salary cap of any significance. Uh, there was some labor issues, much bigger than what we were trying to do, overshadowing the thing. So we had to down our weapons and talk about opportunity rather than differences. And uh, the league liked it, and they, you know, they they felt comfortable about it. Gary kind of felt comfortable, subject to cancellation. So we had a game booked for Rexall Place. If the weather was uh, the issue five days in advance, we'd play the game at the regular season game at Rexall. And mm-hmm. so we maintained that right up to, <laughs> you know, 48 hours in advance. We had to release the date. <laughs> crazy. That's when the weather got the worst. And
0: uh, Well, how would I, you have done that, Patrick, with all the fans? You know, you had over 50,000. Well, we would
3: have, uh, we'd have had a refund. What we did was with all the season ticket holders for the Oilers at the time, they got into the outdoor game for free. Okay, And uh, so uh, we were just transferring that crowd to Commonwealth Stadium. So, you know, no big deal. And if we had to transfer them back, uh, you know, it would have been on us to to fix it. Mm-hmm. We had cancellation insurance with a major European underwriter. And uh, so we were covered in terms of mitigating the cost of all the money we'd spent up front and whatever would take us on the back end, plus refunds and so on and so forth. And uh, yeah, we were well insured against mm. risk on that for for the weather risk. Funny this way, Kevin. Though I tell you, on the week before it was beautiful. It was as high yes. as twenty above. It was yeah. gorgeous, and we were saying to the league and uh, uh, Danny, the ice maker from Northlands, who was a guy. He was the man. He mm-hmm. knew how to make ice. Alan and me and other crew about fifteen. Kevin Lowe, well, what if we can't keep the ice? How What temperature can we keep it hard? Like if it's five degrees above, eight degrees above, what do we got? A uh, uh, You know, a rubber boot game? And so that was our biggest concern. That was our biggest concern was that we got uh, melt out and constant game. Isn't that funny? Wow. Uh, uh, three, four days before we had a big snowstorm, if you remember, and it snowed about a foot. And we had volunteers, people from all over the place, uh, hockey boiler fans came and picked up a broom and pushed the <laughs> snow down off the seats. I there. do, yeah. Uh, and uh, so it was snowing so hard on uh, Wednesday night. Uh, I talked to a friend of mine, Chief Willie Littlechild. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can't ask a, a weatherman to fix it, but you might be able to ask <laughs> Willie. Uh, you know, Willie and uh, higher beings to give us some good luck. So, Willie arranged uh, uh, a medicine man from the Mosquitoes station uh-huh. to cool. attend without anybody around and uh, perform a ceremony to uh, reverse the weather. And <laughs> it reversed like it, reverse it already. Right. the wrong time, you know, but it uh, <laughs> <stopped> snowing. <laughs> and in the morning, uh, I talked to Chief Little Child, and he said to me, Well, it stopped snowing, it gets a work day. He says, <laughs> <laughs> Next day it was like fifteen below, and then it went down from there. <laughs> oh,
0: that's a cool uh, story. I don't think you've told that story, have you, before? Her, maybe. Too no, other. I had yeah. uh, Willie
3: didn't want any publicity. didn't want any sort of finger pointing or anything mm-hmm. like that. And at the time, he and I were just uh, on the foundation, so we knew one another from community giving. Mm-hmm. And he played hockey for the Bears. And yes, he understood yeah, for sure. so Yeah, it was it was a, another sort of strange turn of events at the last minute.
0: So uh, um, go ahead yeah. Pat.
3: Yeah. So we had cancellation insurance we didn't know what would cancel it but we had that uh, we had assurances from this that and the other thing but we didn't expect Kevin as you mm. know to be so cold on the day. It was nice the day before it was okay the day after but on the day of the game it was absolutely frigid as yeah. you know so there was a problem there for sure.
0: Patrick
2: Schlemmer here. Um, I did play in one outdoor game. I think it was yeah. called the uh, NHL Centennial for the 100th anniversary in Ottawa there when I was a Montreal Ooh. Canadian. Um, yeah. From a player's perspective, I know we all love these outdoor games. We love being a part of them. Yeah. But yeah. Um, it seems like there's a lot of work that goes into it. There's, you get all new yeah. jerseys, all new swag, um, What's yeah. it like behind the scenes planning this? Is it, is it a moneymaker? Is it more for well, just the in, franchise? In
3: Edmonton, i got to tell you this, that we ran the lottery. We, rather than just sell the tickets through mm-hmm. Ticketmaster or any other means, we had a lottery for the ticket applications. It was run by 630 Chad, our broadcaster at the time. And uh, they had over nine hundred thousand applications
0: for sixty thousand. <laughs> wow, <Yeah. laughs> that's crazy!
3: And uh, so there was a room. It was Doug Rutherford's office at one time, but it was a room full of envelopes and stuffed teddy bears and promises for a night out, and on and on, toys and games of people who want to impress somebody. So the the Roiler Foundation people picked through it all. Organized it in piles and went ahead with, uh, with some form of uh, next, next, next. So we had a random draw of chad people just pulling an envelope out, number ninety nine, number two hundred and five, and so they were in order. Listed them all on a computer, gave the names and addresses to Ticketmaster, mm-hmm. and they sent them email saying you can now apply for two tickets. Yeah, and uh, so we. We sold on, before the game, we knew we had sold 57,700 seats to uh, to the game.
0: Crazy. Just crazy.
3: Yeah, so it did make money.
0: It, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it made a lot of money in between all the merchandising and uh, all the hot yeah. chocolate that you sold, for sure. Uh, I mean, it was a money maker. Yeah. But so after the, you know, the game is a success. Both games are a huge success. And now yeah. here we are. 20 years later and they've played dozens and dozens of these games. Did you ever in your wildest dreams, Patrick, think that man, we we were the groundbreakers on this and look where it has gone and will continue to go?
3: Yeah, I, I, a couple of things come up certainly, Alan and me and, and Kevin Lowe and Cal Nichols and the group that were on, Nick Wilson, uh, You know, our broadcasters were involved, Hockey Night in Canada was involved in a lot of the work that got done Uh, on and on and on the league the players association everybody it was a really group effort and in that regard it was one of the finest team building exercises Hmm. that we've been through you know because generally it's uh, management versus labor Uh, there was a culture of that at the time and you know contracts were lockouts and all this kind of stuff there was reasons not to talk to one another but the outdoor game really came, pulled everybody together. The league could see mm-hmm. that. They saw that it was beyond the day-to-day grind. It was what the players wanted. The players love, as you say in Slumpco. Like, it's a, player, a player-driven exercise. They're out there literally having fun, mm-hmm. playing the game the way it should be, I think, or the way they thought it should be when they were kids. And... Um, So to me, yes, I'm not surprised. I'm kind of surprised that the Olympics, that uh, bigger bodies, bigger sport bodies haven't adopted Mm -hmm. a version of their own to let the athletes and coaches enjoy the experience. I know it's got risks, but uh, I I thought it would be different or bigger in that regard. However, when you play (laughs) – uh, Dodger Stadium, and you draw seventy five thousand. You go, Pretty wow! tough to that's argue. Amazing, and it's like sixty five above us. Yeah. So, the technology's really improved, and a lot of things have gone better. And it's been a bridge between the league and the players' association. In my opinion, mm-hmm. uh, for many, many years, for twenty years now, it's been a really a good
0: thing. Hey, Patrick, would you have liked to see an alumni game this time around coming up? Uh, a lot of people are saying that they're going to miss that aspect. And I don't mean back in the, the 80s, guys, maybe, you know, Ryan Smith, Jerome McGinley, things like that. Are, are, are is the league missing out on something like this, do you feel?
3: I, I, as a spectator I do I, you know I love the. I, you know the, they're always better than me even if they're 80 years old mm-hmm. and so but I love those smiles I love the way you know they deke one another out on the ice like we did when we were kids yeah. and I, I do think it, they're missing something by not having uh, the alumni of both teams they do play one another a couple times a year for charity raise money for cause yeah. and red deer uh, and they golf against one another, and so they're used to it. Calgary, and Edmonton, uh, Jerome, and everybody—they're uh, used to uh, that competition. And the fans can't get enough, in my opinion. Yeah. I think it, I think it would be really whipped cream to the Oilers and Flames fans.
0: For sure. Hey, uh, Patrick, thanks for this. We ran out of time. I wanted to talk about our story from Pittsburgh. You, you me, and Cal Nichols. I don't even have time for that story. So <laughs> that's going to be for Thank another God. time. Thank no. God. Yeah, but it's a great story. We'll have to do it another time. How's that sound? <laughs> Kevin? thanks for inviting me. I really appreciate it. Cheers. Yeah, great. Uh, thanks for all your work on that game and then with the Oilers organization uh, over the years. That was our uh, headliner for Mr. ruder There's a reason they call them Mr. For all your plumbing needs, go to mrruder.ca Great uh, comments from Patrick LaForge. It's just great to go down memory lane, talk about things from 20 years ago. And, man, look at look at the games now. They're everywhere. you got... Uh, New Year's Day it's just it's fun to see the outdoor games some people think there's too many I think if you do them properly they're they, they are done the right way uh, I, I like the New Year's Day game day what do you think like, I mean
2: yeah I like them all honestly yeah. that's the winter classic I believe yeah. and then there's the stadium series yeah I'm but not I, 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 I like cool. the New Year's Day game. Yeah, just
0: like because that's on like two o'clock, and everyone is kind of just on the couch and whatever, and relaxing. And
2: I thought the Lake Tahoe one was
0: a pretty cool. Yeah, idea too. there have been some good ones. So, uh, hey, we're back to wrap things up. Kerry Schlempko on Sports fourteen forty right after the break. All right, welcome back to the big program. Oilers uh, in action tonight, uh, taking on the Calgary Flames. Uh, Jason Greger just sending out uh, a social bowl, um, saying that most of the Oilers will dress. Uh, they'll dress close to an NHL lineup tonight. Uh, they play Friday as well, so it'll be interesting to see exactly where the Oilers are situated moving forward in these two games. But they have a lot of; they've got eight defensemen that uh, Gregor sent out. A, um, I believe this thing that he sent out comes from Calgary. <coughs> Excuse me, uh, coming from Calgary. That, um, but uh, Leon Dreisaitl is on the list. Uh, so is Connor McDavid. Most of an NHL alignment, Uh, Gregor says that Stuart Skinner starts in goal. That means you would think that Jack Campbell will be starting Friday against Seattle. Um, At this point in the preseason, I guess as a former player, you're going. Finally, we got that first. Well, okay, you got a a week of camp, ballpark, five days, call it. Then you got a good week of all these preseason games, all over the map, five games in seven days. Now are you just going? All right, you can see the finish line, and once Friday is done we can kind of get ready and prepare for the season?
2: Exactly. It's you're almost ready to get that excitement going, you know. I, don't, I always say, like, <laughs> nobody feels as healthy as you do that first game of the year, right? Everyone's roaring to go. It's almost like game one of the playoffs. Um, everyone's got that high energy and built up a little bit of nerves and just ready to go, um, especially as you get more towards being a veteran guy. The preseason games kind of start to drag on a little bit. So yeah. as the Oilers get a little older as a core group, I'm sure that's kind of the case for them. But you got to think about the young guys as well. I remember being a young guy, and that's a super exciting time. You're you're just trying to stick. You're mm-hmm. hoping they hoping they tell you to get a place and you know start start your NHL career off.
0: Yeah. So the the lineup that's out right now uh, on the uh, interweb basically has. Pretty well, the whole Oilers lineup. So I think you got to kind of take this with a grain of salt in the sense that there's eight defensemen in the lineup and there's 13 or 14 forwards on this lineup. Uh, having said that, uh, the Flames, according to Greggs, will not be playing their top six. Uh, it'll be uh, Dustin Wolf and Dan Vladar in goal. So depending on who starts there, uh, Zadorov, Dennis Gilbert, uh, DeSimon, Poirier, Osterly and uh Solovoyev on the uh, blue line and then uh, up front uh not a lot of veteran presence here if this is what Calgary's going with tonight. Uh Dryden Hunt, uh, Yegor Sharangovich, uh, Dylan Dubé, uh Honzek, Klapka, Zeri, Ruzicka, Duer, uh, Siona, Pospisil, not the tennis player, Pedersen, <laughs> and Schwint. Uh I they got to have nine or 10 nine guys in there with NHL. I don't I don't know if I see that is a very AHL roster, so we'll see what the Oilers counter with uh, tonight. Um, where was that game again? So that outdoor game that you played, Schlemmer, uh, and you were yep. playing in Montreal, and it was in Ottawa.
2: It was in Ottawa okay. at the uh, football, the CFL stadium. Okay. Really yeah, Rough or Red Red Blacks, Red not, Blacks, not yeah, not the Rough Riders yeah. anymore.
0: Well, that was those were the days when it was the Rough Riders and the Rough the Riders, two Rough Riders. When you did in the those games, week. yeah, when you did those <laughs> games, you didn't have to worry about making a mistake right? No one knew, right? Oh, the Rough Riders tackled by the Riders, uh, you know, oh, yeah, catched you by go. the Riders, so...
2: Easy game to call. Yeah.
0: Uh, hey, here's a football note forgot to mention. Uh, so the Elks play in Toronto on Friday. We haven't had much success getting any Elks on the show this week. Uh, I would imagine a travel day tomorrow. Uh, so we will probably focus on Elks on Friday with um, Eddie Steele, 7-9. to nine. But um, the Argos are doing kind of a... Oh, a look back, a celebration on the anniversary, 150 years wow. for the Argos. Uh, and you think about, about it back then. So they were, you know, back, it was like a rugby club. They had a football club. They had everything. The name Argonauts was kind of being bandied about as this is the team name going forward. Um, kind of neat that it's 150 years old. The Ar- that's the longest serving name in North American sports history on the professional level. Oh, That's so cool. It is kind of did cool not know thing. that Duke. Did you know that? You didn't know that, did you? Duke? I didn't. Uh, Learn <laughs> something new every day with you, Kevin. Coming on, like I mean, we can only get into the farming stuff so often when you when you <laughs> throw when you throw all those uh, uh, concepts of uh, chores. And uh, we had a good uh, schlemmer. We had a good talk about uh, milk last week. Oh yeah. And I asked, uh, I asked the Duke. I said, Well, have you ever had a nice cold glass of skim milk? And he looked at me like I was from another planet.
2: Skim, yeah. I'm not a big skim guy either.
0: <laughs> wow, well, I think, you know what? Skim milk is good when you froth it.
2: Oh, yeah. You
0: can get a better froth when you put a coffee in. Oh, I think okay. if you're using a thicker cream milk, that's when you're going to run into trouble. Are you a fancy coffee guy too? I make a nice coffee in the morning with the frother, and then I, don't, I haven't done it Monday to Friday here because I'm out the door, but I was doing that, and then... I only put about, I was putting in about a half an ounce of Bailey's just to kind of give it a little. Just a little splash. <laughs> well, I mean, it's the morning. You want to get yourself going. So now I can only do that on Saturdays and Sundays. So, Duke, well, this is, I had an old, uh, uh, his name was Daryl Jans, and he was uh, our. Instructor at uh, Mount Royal College in 1989, and he came on and he said, there was a time when there was a splash of Baileys in my coffee every morning. And we we're like, well, you're, I thought you were the teacher here. So, <laughs> I don't know. Um, any texts coming in, Duke, that caught your eye? I kind of missed a whole bunch here. one 833 i am sorry. Uh, imitation, Tom, I can get to that one, because uh, we were kind of greasing guys about having their... Uh, their text not being able to read them. Uh, so uh, imitation tom says haha I'm just saying sometimes you guys struggle to read my text as it as it is and it makes it make no sense. Sometimes not always it's I'm also to blame from time to time. So and then the duke comes back. We're battling it every day on both ends of the line. Appreciate you tuning in. So uh, thanks for that uh, duke. I mean well, yeah, this it's is nice. uh, yeah. We, we got former NHLers, former Olympians, Hall of Famers in here co-hosting with uh, yourself every day, Monday to Friday. We're all battlers. We can't all be pros. Um, s- sometimes guys like Schlemko are the opinion yes. You got to muck it up in the corner sometimes to get the job done. And that's what we're doing here on the text line, trying to make sense of some of these messages and of course, uh, get them out there on the airwaves for everyone to hear. Muzz sent one a little earlier. Start Campbell playing much better early on. Not even a debate right now. They will be switching all year. That comes from Muzz. We'll see what that lineup looks like tonight. Again, two games left in the Oilers preseason. uh, Friday and then uh, Wednesday is the opener uh, against Vancouver. And once again, we will be at uh, Century Casino on the 14th for the Oilers uh, home opener, uh, the Duke of Delburn and myself to kind of kick things off uh, at Century, so looking forward to that. Uh, any parting shots here, Schlemmer? Any parting shots for the Duke? I know you're fired up to have uh, a Fantasy Frenzy coming up uh, at the top of the hour with? Former Ross Shep T-Bird. Connor Halley. <laughs> Schlemmer, I, I think we might need you to get in on that one. Every time we do the former Ross Shep T-Bird you just got to go Connor Halley. Connor
2: Halley. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. There you go, bud. We no parting ha- shots for the Duke. Yeah. <laughs> Duke's good to me. Just got a new lid.
0: Yeah, yeah. he's got the new lid. We, I, you know what? How about we could get that audio? Look at the Duke. Can we get that <laughs> going every time? Yeah, I could probably clip that up and clip, throw clip it in, that in the, one the old hot keys here. Oh, that would be outstanding. Plus, we got to get the thing that we were talking about uh, with John Facenda. Oh, yes. we got to get that going. Yeah. John John Fasena, the voice uh, of the NFL, for sure. Well, another great show in the books. want to thank all, all our guests today. Uh, Sammy Silber from the Hockey News in Washington joined us at 7.20. Uh, on the Mark, Mark Specter, every day brings it for uh, Booster Juice at 8 o'clock. Uh, for On the Mark at uh, 8.40, Al Sim uh, went uh, in the community. Uh, Red Deer Minor Hockey, fascinating conversation regarding um Basically, the logo moving forward with the Red Deer Optimist Chiefs, Willie Littlechild involved, Treaty Six, Treaty Seven. Really cool to talk to Al about that. Uh, For Cougar Paint and Collision, David Schlemko is our co-host on Wednesdays from nine to eleven. John Bonis, Twins Daily Playoff uh, uh, Pigskin Report, uh, just the playoff report. Pardon me from uh, Twins Daily, Uh, Matt Laughlin, Matt. So you remembered Matt? You guys, he would have traveled on the plane. uh, Yeah, yeah, Devils play by play. So. Uh, I mean, him and Kenny Danico, that, that would have been quite a pair to hang around with with guys on the road. Media is different when you're hanging with the guys on the road. Would you admit that? Oh, little definitely. different, yeah? Yeah. So you had that dynamic between- uh, A little more personable. A little more. And I mean, yeah. Danico would come up to guys all the time and say, hey, what's going on? How you doing? Kind of, yeah, Dano's always around. Yeah. He knew everybody. And then uh, Patrick LaForge, former president, CEO of the Edmonton Oilers, to talk about the Heritage Classic 20 years ago. It was cold. It was uh, windy. Uh, we'll see what the temperatures are like uh, at the end of this month. Would you be going to that game, Schlemmer, just watching on TV?
2: Depends on the weather. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit of a fair weather guy.
0: Oh, come on. Made of yeah, sugar. A, Made of sugar, a man. Play, played a lot of years in the South, Kev. Yeah, uh, yeah. A lot of years. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for uh, coming in again, Schlemmer. We'll see you next uh, Wednesday at the top of the hour. It's Fantasy Frenzy with uh, the Duke of Delborn and?
2: A former Rush T T-Bird. Connor Halley.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then uh, Low Tide uh, takes it to, with a low down 12-2. to two, And then uh, Jason Greger closes things off from 2-6. Uh, to six. Thanks so much for listening uh, today. We'll see you back tomorrow, 7 o'clock, uh, with Ladislav Schmid, our Thursday co-host. Uh, until then, keep her between the ditches. Uh, here's the Duke with a sports update.